I'm excited. Over these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, doing a series called Understanding the Love of Your Life. Now, whether you've been in a relationship for 50-plus years or whether you're looking to be in a relationship, this is for everybody. And listen, this, this was life-changing because if you saw the video we put out of inviting people to this week, I mean this series, Listen, when I first got married, I didn't have a clue. I didn't. I mean, when I look back at our picture, and I look back, and that was 32 years ago, I look and I go, man, was my hair really that dark? And uh, I thought, golly, the changes that have happened all these years. But four kids later and two grandsons later, uh, you know, we're, we're, we've been together. Angie is going to be tag team teaching this with me, and unfortunately, she's out today sick. Uh, she's got the crud and got that low-grade fever. Don't know what's going on with her, but it's, it's all that congestion stuff. But she's going to be back next week, hopefully. She'll be here with me, and we're going to start. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of lay a foundation for us today with this uh, series. You're going to be encouraged by it in a great way. But listen, I'm going to ask just in this room, how many of you, just a quick survey, how many of you uh, actually married your high school sweetheart wow okay wow several of you did uh, that, that's not true of me okay that didn't happen but that's you know that's quite amazing in this room you know and how many I'm going to ask you in this room uh, when you saw the one that was yours you, you went was it love at first sight anybody all right love at first sight in the room okay all right well, some, that's not one of them you look and go, you better say that, <laughs> all right? You know, it, it, it's, it's usually a relationship that builds. You know, of course, you're attracted to someone, you know. You go, when you see that one and you go, hubba, 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 you know, that's the Greek for woman, you know. And, and she, I mean, the Hebrew for woman is hubba, 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 you know, when Adam saw Eve for the first time. That's what he said. He went, whoa, man, you know, but uh, that's how she got her name. <laughs> but, but the bottom line is, most people, it might not be love at first sight. I'm going to get a little show right here, a little survey in the room. How many of you uh, lift up your hand if you've been married for, let's say, five years? At least five. All right. Keep your hand up, 10. 20. 30. Wow, there's several in the room still. 40. All right. 50. All right, we have one back here over 50 years. Harry and Elsie back here. That's, that's awesome, over 50 years. You know, a lot, a lot of people aren't even, aren't even 30 in the room, and these guys have been married. If you want to know some things or know what not to do, go over there and ask Harry and Elsie. I can tell you, they can tell you what not to do. Ask Harry what not to do. Ask Elsie what to do, okay? That's what we'll do. But anyway, we love y'all. Thanks for setting an example for, but you know, all the years of being married, those first few years, I didn't really have a clue. And what really saved my marriage, and you might be thinking, were you actually, was your marriage ever in trouble? Yeah, early on it was because I was selfish. 
Man, all I thought about was myself. I was just married, you know. I, I was enjoying the conveniences of being married, but I was still living my life for myself. I was still hanging with my buddies. I was still hunting and fishing and, you know, and then she cooked and she cleaned and then she took, she took care of me. And it was, that was the kind of relationship. And you might be thinking, man, you were that selfish? Yeah. Some of you, are st you don't be looking at me going, well, that's not me. Because, you know, we, we all can be selfish in those relationships. But that's what I did. And, and, and fortunately, I attended a, a seminar that I learned about and discovered about how I, how I was wired personally, and then how Angie was wired. And so from that, we discovered a lot of things. We began to talk, and, and God did a real miracle in our, our lives and our relationship. We're uh, looking to redo our basement, finish our basement. Uh, we're going to do that. While having to do that, there's still stuff I had in my boxes since I had left Bethlehem six years ago. I have only so much bookshelf room in my office, and so there were several boxes I hadn't even opened. Well, guess what? Inside some of those boxes, as I went through them yesterday, I discovered the books, Understanding the Love of Your Life. So next Sunday, you're going to get at least one per couple in this room for gratis, free, at no charge. And, and listen, it's going to be a tool that will be valuable for you. But we're going to be giving those books out. We're going to be doing a personality profile through that. Don't let that scare you. It's only 24 things you answer. It takes five minutes. It's not an intensive one like you might find in others, but it's going to be enough to help us get through what we need to get through. So we're going to look at understanding yourself. Then we're going to look at understanding your mate. And then we're going to look at 12 things that we deal with relationally of how to relate to our mate. And so, man, listen, this is gold. This is gold, okay? So in all relationships, and even if you're not married, you still can come and do the understanding yourself, and you can work through some of these things to get yourself ready, you know, for that future person if you're looking. I mean, I've studied a lot this week. Paul said, you know, he said it's good for a man not to touch a woman. All right? But if you can't control yourself, get married. That's basically what he said. And I'm one of those, I had to have, a, I had to have Angie in my life, okay? I couldn't do life. I, I wasn't one of those that was born in, with that way. God makes some men that way to where they never get married. I wasn't one of them. He knew I needed a wife. He knew I needed her in my life. And you know, that's what the scripture teaches. But when we marry at the very beginning, all we ever see is all the good in that person. We never focus on the bad. But after you've been married for several years, guess what? All of that other stuff that you quit, you didn't notice at the beginning, all of a sudden becomes everything you start to focus on. And that's when the debates and the heat and all the trouble begins to stir in a relationship. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about some of that, more of that later. But let me give you the goal of this. Understanding the love of your life, the goal of it is how to make your marriage the ultimate sharing experience. 
I believe this with all my heart. I didn't know it at the beginning. But God has given me my wife as, as part of my sanctification process. God has given her to me for sanctification. What does that mean? Sanctification means set apart. In other words, God's using her to make me more like Jesus in my life. And God's using me to make her more like Jesus in her life. Now, isn't that a great thing to think about? Now, here's something that you may not know. The word, the Hebrew word for marriage and the Hebrew word for holiness is the same word. Now, that is worth noting. The Hebrew word for marriage and the Hebrew word for holiness is the same word. Wow. I, I, when I found that out this week, I was like, that is really good. Here's the thing. The word understanding actually is the word knowledge. It comes from the word gnosis and gnosticism or knowledge. And it's getting to know you. Remember the song? Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. All right. That's all I'm going to sing of that one. But you're going, thank the Lord. Caleb's going, thank goodness. But it is all about getting to know that person. And know in a biblical way, yes, involves the sexual part, but that knowing is really building that relation, getting to know all about that person and what makes them tick and what ticks them off. I want to know all about you. I want to know all about this person. And so marriage, next is this. Marriage, ultimately, is a, it's a covenant relationship. It's a covenant relationship. Now, God has covenants throughout all of the Old Testament. He does. And there were several of them. Abraham's covenant, uh, the covenant with Noah that he made when, you know, when the earth was flooded and he promised him he would never do it again. Put a rainbow up as a sign of that covenant. And Abraham had a covenant. And there was a lot of covenants, but the covenant is important because here's the definition of a covenant. A covenant is intended by God to be a lifelong fruitful relationship between a man and a woman. Now, in the book of Malachi, chapter 2, he says this. He says, for, in verse 14, Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth, against whom you have dealt treacherously, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. So that's found in Matthew, Malachi, chapter 2. The wife of a covenant. And then he goes on down and he talks about how God hates divorce. Now, I know that there are people that have been through divorce in this room. And you might have been the, a child of someone that's been through divorce. And, and listen, I, this is not a time of judging or beating you up or any of that. But what the scripture is teaching is there are reasons that God allows divorce. They're, they're for unfaithfulness. There's abuse. There's abandonment. But marriage was meant to be a lifelong commitment. And those things do happen that lend to that. But, you know, there, there are a lot of people that come into marriage these days and they don't look at it as a covenant. They don't look at it as this is between me and God. 
we're standing before God. We're making a vow, a covenant, one to another. And more and more often, people don't look at it that way. And here is the truth. It is based on love, it's based on commitment, and it is based on trust. That's what it's based on. That foundation is love. And you know, Jesus is God's love. It's his unconditional love. And it is based upon commitment to one another. And it's based upon trust. Trust is huge. Trust is huge. I remember um, in my high school sweetheart relationship, trust was a factor. Trust was a real factor. And I got to the point that I felt like I couldn't trust her. You know, because she would be flirting with all these other guys. And even though I, even though I wasn't, you know, did, she didn't have a ring on her finger and all that, I'd get jealous over all that stuff. You know, and I'd see all of that. And love is not jealous. Remember, love is not jealous. But I can assure you that of all my years of, in my relationship with Angie, there's never been a trust factor involved at all. My heart safely trust in her and that's a blessing man that's a peace because if when you lose trust that's a big bridge that has to be and it's broken that's a big bridge that has to be rebuilt rebuilt because trust is a huge factor so I'm going to give you the definition of covenant marriage it's, it's similar to covenant but listen here it is a covenant marriage is intended by God to be a lifelong relationship exemplifying unconditional love, which is God's love, reconciliation, which that's huge, because you know what that means. That means that one of you's messed up and the other one has to come to them and say, will you forgive me for what you've done wrong? It's not, I'm sorry, and just sweep it under the rug. I'm sorry for what? No, don't say I'm sorry. Don't teach your kids to say I'm sorry. Teach your kids and, teach and learn as a husband and wife to say, will you forgive me? Whew. Will you forgive me? That means I must have sinned. That must mean I have done something wrong. Yes. Will you forgive me for? And then state what you did. That's reconciliation. And then next is sexual purity. To be sexually pure. In your relationship remember what I said the word Hebrew word for marriage and the Hebrew word for holiness is the same word is sexual purity and notice the last one is growth is growth you know your relationship should be growing and it gets stronger through the years heck man Angie Angie told tells me all the time I am so happy to be married to, to who you are now than who you were at the beginning Okay, has your, has your spouse ever said that to you? If they have, that's a sign of growth. That's a sign of growth in your relationship. And every relationship needs to be working toward growing, establishing that relationship. Listen, next to your relationship to God, the most important relationship you'll ever have on this planet is who you spend your life with as your husband or as your wife that is the most important relationship not your kids don't put your kid ahead of your husband wife relationship 
That's not God's priority. That's not God's design. It's God, it's your mate, and then it's your kids. And you got to, if you put it in that order, you'll be just fine. Okay? You understand? That's, that's the teaching of it. But it's exemplifying and it's showing that growth. And you know, and I want to keep growing. I love I loved the fact that a guy named Peter Lord, who I, I love dearly, he, godly man, he, he came and he spoke to us. And he said, I've been married 55 years. He didn't say how happy he was in those 55 years. He said, but I've been married 55 years. And he said, if I want to be married 56, I got to keep working at it. I got to keep working at it. Here's a, here's a plan, men. Write this down. Every day, divert daily. Talk to your spouse talk to your wife daily daily now these kids in these relationships these days I mean the texting snapchat all that stuff back in my day we had a telephone and we got to call once a week when it was long distance you hear where I'm coming from so I'm gonna tell you that once a week call Angie was sitting over there don't y'all get near that telephone at 8 o'clock on Wednesday night. Because she knew I was going to call her. And I had, my parents said, you got 10 minutes. And they, and they timed me. It's time to get off that phone, boy. You, that phone bill's going to be too high. That's, what, that's the kind of calling. Now they, it's texting, Snapchat, and all this stuff. But people aren't talking. They're not talking over the phone. I guess they're chatting and they're doing all of this with the snap. But... I don't do that yet. I do Facebook, but I hadn't gone to Snapchat yet. But the relationship has to be built on communication and talking and one-on-one, face-to-face is what you need in that relationship. And so that's what's going to cause the growth in, in, in our time. Here's what's next, and I want to give you these things, and I think it's important before we wrap up today. A covenant is not a contract a covenant is not a contract now there's a lot of people that come into marriages and they they base them on a contract you might be saying well what is what is this thing you've got here i saw a a jewish wedding and it was a beautiful thing how they they actually took the hands of the couple and as they took the hands of the couple, they would take, and I was going to have my wife up here to demonstrate this, but they would be bound together. And it's a binding. And you're bound. And you're bound together. It's a beautiful illustration of that two becoming one. And that's a covenant. It's not a contract. It's not a contract. Tammy Judge, she gets to see people that think of it as a contract all the time and they're showing up in the court and well this is mine that's yours and this is oh you ain't getting that boy she sees it all but God's design was a beautiful thing it was to be a covenant relationship and not a contract here's what contracts are based on contracts are based on protection and mistrust remember what I said a covenant uh, marriage is all about trust. A contract allows the ones, the parties involved, to look for loopholes. 
and exit clauses. And they are centered on your rights and protection. That's what a contract's all about. And you know, there's, there's people that actually have lots of money. And they come into a marriage and they get the other party to actually sign a prenuptial agreement. Because they've got all of this money and they're thinking, wait, this person may be marrying me just for the money. So they come into it. Now, how would you want to, how would you feel signing off on a prenuptial agreement? How, I mean, right off the bat in your relationship, this individual is saying, I do not trust you. Now, Back in my day, uh, we, you know, we married for love. We didn't marry for money, all right? I had a little, not a whole lot, but it was gone within the first, by the time we had Caleb, <laughs> okay? And so, and she, you know, what? You know, you know when you have kids, yeah. But here's the deal. And she didn't have a, a whole lot, but we weren't sitting there thinking, okay, I'm going to come into this thing, and you got to sign this. Listen, I, I, she didn't even have a car. So I bought me a truck right before I got married. Yeah, that was a bold move. But I went ahead and did it. I figured I'd do it ahead of getting married than waiting, all right? But I went ahead and bought my old 85 red Chevy that's over, still at the house. Remember, I still got my truck, still got my wife. My dog died, but, but that was 32 years ago. That's a country song for some of y'all that went right over your head. But, but the deal is, I got that truck. And you know what? I had a 79 Cougar with a moonroof in it. And I gave her that car. And she was just overwhelmed that I would give her the car, even before we got married. But that's, that showed I, I wanted her, hey, she was going to be my wife. I wanted to give her that and to show love. But that's what it's all about. It's not about your rights. It's not about what it is for you. Here's what a contract. I'm going to give you several things here. A contract says this. I take you for me. A covenant is I give myself to you. Do you know in the Bible that in, the, in Ephesians, God tells us men... To love our wives as Christ loved the church. Wow. How much did Christ love the church? Christ loved the church so much that he gave his life for it. Who's the church? It's us. It's us. That is giving. That is what covenant is all about. I give myself to you. Here's the next one. Contract. You had better do it, whereas a covenant, how may I serve you? How may I serve you? It's kind of funny, early on in our, our marriage, my mom spoiled me rotten, okay? My mom, my mom did, and my wife told me this big time after we got married. Because my mom used to she would uh, actually wash the clothes and iron the clothes and put them up in the closet. And I thought all women did that. 
All I had to do was just go, and there's all my pants already ironed, all my shirts already ironed, and everything was in the drawers stacked in place. That's what my mom did. So you can only imagine when I said, where's my clothes? Where's my clothes? Hmm. And I was sitting there thinking, you had better do this because that's what I'm used to. Hmm. That was wrong. That was the wrong way of approaching that. It was more of, she, she, you know what? She finally, this is how she got me. She baited me. She bait and switch. Watch out for that, guys. But she told me, you look sexy when you're ironing. That's what she told me. Honey, you look sexy when you're ironing. So when I, I go over there and I go to ironing. <laughs> Lord, I fell for that one. <laughs> I fell for it. Hey, but I'm just being honest with y'all. Y'all want honesty, don't you? Yeah, that's right. But that's the way it is. You had better do it compared to how may I serve you. You know, I was out yesterday, and I knew she was sick, and, and I, I got a text from her, and I said, listen, is there anything I can get you while I'm out here? And you know what? That, that said a lot to her at that point. If, you, if you're just going about your routine and you're not thinking, you need to be always in that mindset, how may I serve you? at this moment of need. Here's a contract, the next thing. It's what do I get? And the covenant says, what can I give? Tammy sees that more than anything. What am I going to get out of it? Because when things go to probate, and people hadn't specified exactly in that will who gets what, then imagine the reaction of people as they begin to go, this is mine. What can I get? What do I get out of this as compared to what do I give? You know, early on in our marriage, um, we, <laughs> some of y'all may go, I can't believe you did this, but it's true. I mean, we, we have joint account. We don't have two separate accounts. We don't go, okay, this is your money, and this here is my money. And don't you touch my money. This is my money. Don't you touch mine. Okay. What we did was we, we just put it all together. And early on, I did all. I was the one businessman. You know, I'm the one doing all this. And I did the balancing of the checkbook. Well, you know what? She, I knew something was up when she'd come by and put them Hershey Kisses over there at the checkbook. I was like, uh-oh. I knew going in, Hershey Kisses meant I have not recorded everything and it may not balance. But you know what? I learned to work through those things. I learned to process through those things. And I learned what is more important, my relationship with her are the exact numbers being right in that checkbook? Somebody's saying, don't make me choose between those two. But you're going to have to remember this motto, happy wife, happy life. And you'll, get, you'll, you'll be better off with that.
but you work through it. And there's, there's uh, some of you that might still be struggling with that. You might be going, I have mine and she has hers. Well, that gets back to working together and trusting one another. What you have is mine. I mean, what I have is yours and I give it to you. That's what I, that's what I meant to say, okay? Here's the next one. Contract says, I'll meet you halfway, 50-50. Covenant says, I'll give you 100%. It's all mine. It's all yours. What, you, what I have is yours. I give. And finally, I have to is a contract, whereas I want to. I want to do this for you. And why do I want to do this for you? Because I love you. You're the love of my life. You know, um, the other night I was watching, and I, I'm a sucker for some of these old, older movies, but the, the movie was on Tom Hanks. I'm trying, the title of it's done skip my brain. It's the one where he's FedEx, and the plane goes down. Cast away. I knew, I knew somebody was going to say it as I gave a few more clues. But I was having uh, somewhat of a senior moment right there. But Castaway was showing, and, and already he was on the island. He's trying to get off, but he, the love of his life was back there waiting. And then when he gets back, he finds out that she's married and she has a kid. But that scene that when he goes to her home and then he gets in his old vehicle and then he goes to drive away and, and it's in the rain and then he hears her running after him and calling his name and then he backs up and then they get out and they hug and they kiss and then they have that moment and she looked at him and she said you're the love of my life and i saw that this week and you know what i ain't i ain't cried much lately but some tears began to come down my cheek at that moment because of where we were going this week understanding the love of your life of your life and I was sitting there going and you know that was a movie made up but I would it hit me that if I'd have been away for four years from Angie and then if I'd have come back and she was already in a covenant marriage with a man and already has a kid I, was, I would be going, how do you process that? And you put yourself in old Tom Hanks' shoes, but you know how he processed it? He said, just like I survived on that, out there on that island, you've got to take the next breath and breathe and move on. But you know, you know what I did? I picked up my phone because she was at work. Couldn't call her. I picked up that phone and I texted her and I said, you're the love of my life. She is. You're the love of my life. And I got that text with them love eyes that came back. That little emoji or whatever it is. And that, that's a good sign, alright guys? That's a good sign. You know. But you're the love of my life. Wow. I close with this and we're done. Do you know that 
this book, the Bible, starts with God in Genesis 2 doing a marriage. And it ends in Revelation with a marriage. The marriage of the Lamb to the bride. And I thought, how interesting that from Genesis, it began in Genesis with God making man and giving a woman to him. It started with a marriage, and then it ends with a marriage. But in between, in our journey, whether you're in a relationship for six months, one month, or if it's been 50-plus years, understanding the love of your life is a lifelong work. And it's a great work. And I want it to be the most exciting experience and relationship that you can have. And I know that's what you want in your relationship. And so for those of you that are looking, don't, do, don't be looking for love in all the wrong places, okay? Be looking to him trust your heart to him then watch out he will then take your heart and be able to trust it to that person that he's preparing for you okay so if that's your case and you're looking trust him and for those of you that are in that relationship and in that covenant keep working on it because this is about growth it's about that sexual purity it's about that commitment and it's about that love, that unconditional love. Okay, so I'm excited. Over these next several weeks, you're gonna, after you do that survey, you're going to be walking around. I'm a this. I'm a that. What are you? What are you? But you're going to discover some things that are going to be life-changing. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you've given us in your word a clear picture 